Continuing Chapter 1 of The Thief Lord Two boys looked out at Victor from the photograph. One was small and blonde, with a broad smile on his face. The other was older, dark-haired, and more serious-looking. He had his arm around the younger boy's shoulder, as if wanting to protect him from all that was evil in the world. Children? Victor looked up in surprise. I took down a lot of things in my time. Suitcases, dogs, a couple of escaped lizards, and some husbands. But you were the first clients to come to me because they lost their children, Mr. and Mrs. He looked at them inquisitively. Hartlib, the woman answered. Esther and Max Hartlib. And they are not our children, her husband stated firmly which immediately earned him an angry look from his pointy-nosed wife. Prosper and Boniface are my late sister's sons, she explained. She raised the boys on her own. Prosper has just turned 12, and Beau is five. Prosper and Boniface, murmured Victor. Unusual names. Doesn't Prosper mean the lucky one? Esther Hartlib arched her eyebrows. Does it? Well, one thing's for sure. They're very strange names, and that's putting it mildly. My late sister had a fondness for anything peculiar. When she died three months ago, my husband and I applied for custody of Bo, since we sadly didn't have any children of our own. But we couldn't possibly have taken on the older brother as well. Any reasonable person could see that. But Prosper got very upset, acting like a lunatic, accusing us of stealing his brother although we would have allowed him to visit Bo once a month. Her pale face grew even paler. They ran away more than eight weeks ago, Max Hartlib continued, from their grandfather's house in Hamburg, where they're staying at the time. Prosper's quite capable of taking his brother into foolish schemes, and everything we have found so far indicates that he has brought him here to Venice. From Hamburg to Venice, Victor raised his eyebrows, that's a long way for two children to travel on their own. Have you contacted the police here? Of course we have, hissed Esther Hartlib. They're no help at all. Surely it can't be that hard to find two children who are all alone. But her husband cut her off. Sadly, I have to return home on urgent business. We would therefore like to put you in charge of the search for the boys, Mr. Getz. The concierge at our hotel recommended you. How nice of him, Victor mumbled. He fiddled with the false mustache. The thing looked like a dead mouse lying next to the phone. But what makes you so sure they've come to Venice? Surely they didn't come just to ride on the gondolas. It's their mother's fault, Mrs. Hartlip pursed her lips, glanced out through Victor's dirty window. Outside on the balcony, the wind was ruffling the feathers of a pigeon. My sister kept telling the boys about this city. She told them stories about winged lions and golden cathedral and about angels and dragons perched on the top of buildings. She told them that water nymphs came ashore for walks at night up the little steps on the edges of the canals. She shook her head angrily. My sister could talk about these things in a way that almost made me believe her. It was Venice this, Venice that, nothing but Venice. Bo drew winged lions all the time, and Prosper simply drank in every word his mother said. He probably thought that if he could make it to Venice, he and Bo would land right in the middle of fairyland. 
What an idea. She wrinkled her nose and cast a contemptuous look through the window at the crumbling plaster of the neighboring houses. Mr. Hartlib adjusted his tie. It has cost us a lot of money to trace the boys this far, Mr. Getz, and I can assure you that they are here, somewhere. In this filth, Mrs. Hartlib finished her husband's sentence for him. Well, at least there aren't any cars here to run them over, Victor said under his breath. He looked up at the street map on his wall and stared at the maze of lanes and canals that made Venice so unique. Then turning back to look at his desk, deep in thought, he started scratching doodles on its surface with his letter opener. Mr. Hartlib cleared his throat. Mr. Getz, will you take the case on? Victor looked once more at the photograph of the two very different faces, the tall, serious boy and the carefree smile of the younger one. And then he nodded. Yes, I'll take it, he said. I will find them. They look a little too young to be coping on their own. Tell me, did you ever run away as children? For heaven's sakes, of course I didn't, Esther Hartlev looked flabbergasted. Her husband shook his head as if it was the strangest thing he'd ever heard. Well, I did, Victor wedged the photograph under the winged lion. But I was by myself. I didn't have a brother, big or small, to look after me. Well, leave your address and telephone number, and let's talk about my fee. As the hard lips struggled back down the narrow staircase, Victor stepped out on the balcony. A cold wind whipped at his face, bearing the salty tang of the nearby sea. Shivering, he leaned against the balustrade and watched the hard lips step onto a bridge a few houses further down the canal. It was a pretty bridge, but the couple seemed not to take any notice of it. They rushed across it suddenly, without even a glance at the scrawny dog barking at them from a passing barge. And of course, they didn't spit in the canal, like Victor always did. Well, who says you have to like your clients, the detective muttered to himself. He leaned over a cardboard box on the floor of the balcony, out of which the heads of two tortoises were peeking. Parents like that are still better than no parents at all, right? What do you think? Don't tortoises have parents? Victor looked through the balustrade at the canal below and at the houses whose stony feet were washed by the water day in and day out. He had lived in Venice for more than 15 years and he still didn't know all the city's nooks and crannies. But then again, no one did. The job wouldn't be easy, particularly if the boys didn't want to be found. There were so many hiding places and so many narrow alleys with names no one could remember. Some of them with no names at all. Boarded up churches, deserted houses, the whole city was one invitation to play hide and seek. Well, I've always liked playing hide and seek, thought Victor, and so far I've found everyone I've ever looked for. The two boys have already been coping alone for eight weeks. Eight weeks? When he had run away from home, he only managed to cope with his freedom for one afternoon. At dusk, he had slunk back home, feeling sad and sorry for himself. The tortoises nibbled at the lettuce leaf Victor was holding out to them. I think I better take you inside tonight, he said. This wind tastes of winter. Lando and Paula looked at him through their lashless eyes. He sometimes got them mixed up, but they didn't seem to mind. He had found them one day at the fish market 
where he had gone in search of a client's Persian cat. Once Victor had managed to fish the pedigree cat out of the barrel of stinking sardines and stowed her in a scratch-safe box, he had discovered the two tortoises. They had been meandering between all the human feet, completely oblivious to the world. When Victor picked them up, they quickly retreated into their shells. <sighs> Where shall I start? Victor wondered. In the orphanages? The hospitals? They're such sad places. But maybe I don't need to begin there. The Hartlips have probably done that already. He leaned over the balcony and spat into the dark canal. Bo and Prosper. Nice names, he thought, even if they were a little unusual. End of chapter one.